everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in my studio for what is the second in-person Monday show since we have gently gone back to in-person. And I say gently because I've got some remotes on the calendar still, but then I've got some in-persons as well. And you know what that means if you've been listening to my show. It means I'm about to be a bazillionaire because (laughs) producer Tony Thaxton, self-proclaimed bad boy of podcasting, has offered me $40,000 per in-person episode that he gets to produce. You might be thinking, how does that work out financially? To which I say, don't worry about it. His finances are his fine. Don't infantilize him by trying to balance his books. Tony, how's it going? It's going all right. Uh, is is Sunday okay for Ed McMahon to show up? I'm sorry, there'll actually be a holographic Ed McMahon because <laughs> oh, he's no he? longer, but he's going to show up with the giant check. Yes, for you That's for the first good. one. I felt like do it on the holidays. It's a yes. special. Right, this is my first one back. Yeah. I guess yeah. I'm actually not going to be, I'm actually going to my parents for Easter. Oh, that's the only time he's available. I'm sorry. I guess you're not going to be able to get that money. Couldn't he show up there? Is there like, does the hologram only travel within LA yeah. borders? Oh, yeah. Fucking God you, damn it. He used to work in Burbank. He only, he could, he will only work in Burbank. <laughs> well, how about, I'll just, I look, I'm always running late anyway, even though the <laughs> Easter egg hunt happens at it at exactly Let's see if I could do military time <laughs> at exactly 1400 hours. Is that right? Yeah. And that doesn't, that for me, that's early because, like, you know what? No one needs to know how long it takes me to get out the door. I have children. It takes a while. And especially our guest, whom I have not even introduced yet, which is very rude. I know that he wakes up at a very early time every single day. His body just gets him up and then he drinks coffee, has a protein bar, and reads. Every day, and we're going to get into that. That's uh, pretty much the same, except for the reading. You you eat a protein bar, too? Um, Yeah, more or less. It's like a, a quest bar, if you know what those are. I do know what they it's, are. Okay, yeah. we're going to get into all of that. <laughs> and now I'm actually wondering if I if I got conf- – I, I feel like maybe it's not even a protein bar that he has. We're going to get into that. Anyway, let's get back to my 40,000. Okay, so the hologram can show up before I leave is what I'm trying to say. Um. Okay, all right. But I'll you just have to talk to the people, but you know, <laughs> talk to the people. Now, last week we had Carly Wiesel, mm-hmm. theme park journalist and award-winning cookie reporter, um, and she wrote a story about the famous sugar cookie conflict happening in Utah. And mm-hmm. our guest grew up there. Ooh. How long am I going to talk about him with him right in front of me <laughs> as if he's not even here? I mean, this seems like business as usual. Probably for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at the time here. This is, this is still early. Yeah. What are we like? Minute four? <laughs> not even. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have so much more. I can share his whole <laughs> life story and then introduce him. Um, but anyway, you weren't here because you had a cold, not yeah. COVID. Right. You had a cold. Correct. Um. So I was out 40K large. Yeah. Worked out for me, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you're feeling better now. You just have a lingering cough. Yeah, just that thing, you know, the cough that continues for yeah. the next several weeks. But I feel totally fine now. Yeah. Tony, are you enjoying our crackling in-person energy? I mean, I, I think the listeners can just feel it. I could just float on it. I could sit on top of it. <laughs> it's weirdly jarring, but in a good way. Like, I feel like I'm um, talking. Actually, I'm not having it right now, but when Carly was here, I felt like I was talking really loudly. <laughs> I felt like my voice was echoing. Yeah, I mean, it's like we got so used to the yes. headphones, the way everything sounded through Zoom. And like I was used to having a million things on my screen. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I this is so much easier. I yeah. know. Worth the 40K when I when you eventually get it. Yeah. That makes me feel like I'm not going to get it. Well, you'll have to see. Because I went out and I spent 35K. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's on you. I know they say don't count your, like, there's a lot of phrases. Don't count your chickens, before they, parentheses, before they hatch. Um, and then also, like, what else? You know, don't spend money before you have it. I think <laughs> well, maybe I mean, that's, that's <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not an right, expression. It's not, it's for not it. really an idiom when you think <laughs> yeah. about it. It's just kind of literal. Um, possibly my mouth wrote a check that my ass couldn't cash. Is that the phrase? Something like that. My mouth. My mouth be writing checks. My, you know, I don't know. I think I, I did some of that, but I just, I had $35,000 worth of things in my cart and mm-hmm. I had to buy them. So it. it's important that Ed McMahon. Are we, where are we now? Like five and a half minutes? Because I'm getting tired of myself. Yeah. I'm so sick of myself. Okay. I'm so delighted to have my guest in studio. Woo. He's a producer. He's a writer. He is a podcast host. He hosts a very, very popular podcast called I Said No Gifts. Please put your hands together for Bridger Weiniger. Oh, Allison. I'm sorry you had to sit through that introduction. I grew, not only did I grow tired of myself, I began to hate myself. When I agreed to be on this podcast, I told you I wanted to sit here for a half an hour in silence. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready to sit back and let you go for another 25. Well, if you insist. So anyway, Tony, no, I'm just kidding. Um, welcome. Thank you. I have a question. Shoot off. Ooh, shoot shoot off. off. Is that what they say now? I think so. I shoot, just made it up. Shoot off, queen. <laughs> shoot off, queen. <laughs> um, okay. I heard about an item on your podcast okay. that I had already heard about from my co-host on Childish Greg Fitzsimmons. So I was already familiar with it. But hearing about it from Greg and then hearing about it on your show, I was like, I've got to go out and get this thing. And I went out and got it, but it didn't work for me. So I want to know, do I have permission to talk about it? Can I talk about something in a possible – it's not a negative light. I'm not going to shit on it, but I just I just need to offer a counterpoint. Or do we only talk about the gifts on your show in a positive light? Well, do you want to get into a screaming match? I'm open to it. Let's talk about it. Okay. I love Beth Stelling. She's been on my love show. Love Beth. She recommended the turtle. Of course. Which is a a neck pillow for travel. And I believe it's spelled like a dating app with no vowels. Kind of like uh, that period of time when we were dropping every, like Tumblr. Yes. uh, Tumblr's the only thing that comes to mind. It doesn't Grindr have no? Grindr has no uh, E. Let's see. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Grindr has no E. There was that period between about 2012 and 2015. Right. When every tech company or startup 
for whatever reason, decided the vowel was no longer cool. I feel like the new thing tech companies are doing is just going to initials. Oh, such as? I really wish... Oh, I know. Um, So there's a podcast production company called Cadence 13. Oh, yes. And And now it's C13. Oh, you're kidding. I'm... Well, now it's so serious. cool. Yeah. C13. I'm A. Rosen. <laughs> you should be B. Weiniger. I'm T. happy Baxton. to be B. Weiniger. Yeah. I don't, I feel like they do, the, or like um, that big tech company, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I, I love their apps. KFC. Yeah. It's like when they want to do, like, when they want to reinvent themselves. Right. I don't feel like that's cool. I think that mm-hmm. that's uh, that feels rather old fashioned to me. It's just like uh, radio call letters. It really is. But maybe I guess that's cool. Yeah. I, you have we have to drop something. So K C thirteen C thirteen sounds like a bad local channel. Take that C thirteen. I'm sorry C thirteen. I don't know if they are just reinventing themselves as C thirteen or if C thirteen is like a subsidiary of cadence 13 or something for certain shows and why did i even hear what was i even listening to that was like it's produced by da 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 and c13 well i don't know but i know i heard it anyway the turtle so the turtle t-u-r-t-l yes so it is this neck it's like a scarf neck pillow thing and you wear have you have you tried it i've tried i've tried it at home so it's it's a hard thing for me to talk about because it's obviously Meant for travel. Yeah. Uh, and so far, it has not left the confines of my office. So, okay. But you have obviously tried it. I took it. it on a plane. I and took I want to hear about your experience. Took my first flight. Tony, are you familiar with this? Yes. Beth will not shut up about this thing. She Greg loves Fitzsimmons, it. Greg uh, Fitzsimmons proselytizes and evangelizes about it. Uh, and I think Nikki Glaser might have one, too. So it's got quite a comedian pedigree. <laughs> It it has allowed Greg to sleep on like many a flight. So it's this neck pillow scarfy thing that you wrap around your neck, but it's got this brace inside it. So you can just be sitting and it'll hold your neck upright and you can like put your the full weight of your head slash neck on it and you're, you're just comfortable as a turtle or something. <laughs> you know, that famed well-rested animal the turtle (laughs) so i was like um we're flying to hawaii sorry i'm fancy sometimes but we flew in coach so it wasn't that great but we're flying to hawaii and um i I think i forgot that i have two children so there's like no way i'm gonna sleep or read or do anything of um relaxing on the plane but anyway i'm like i gotta get a a turtle so i got myself one put it on on the plane and i lasted i don't know less than a minute with it because it just um it just wasn't comfortable and i read the instructions the it has directions on it it's like put back of neck here put jaw or over here and i tried it on the side and then i put it on the front of my neck too and i i kept like ramming my head into it to see like will it really hold me up and then i and i just thought it's okay but it's not any more comfortable than just leading my head against the seat. That was what I found. I don't know. So it just didn't you, work for me. When you're sleeping on a plane, you are like kind of head to shoulder. Yeah. Is that what's happening? I guess. Or, you know, the we, we flew American. Um, and the thing that's the headrest has like, you can kind of push the, the little flaps on the side of the headrest 
uh, to this. You can like make them cradle your head a bit. It's not super comfortable, but you can do that. Right. And now I'm trying to think of how I fall asleep on a plane. And I have no, the only memories I have of falling asleep on a plane are when I'm jolted awake. So that's <laughs> only my head going forward. So yeah. I don't know where my head is while I'm unconscious. Mm-hmm. So that's, the turtle is, it's really uh, up in the air as to whether it's going to work for me or not. I don't know that I sleep to the side, which is kind of how you have to use the turtle. When you said you put it in front of your head, that sounds deeply uncomfortable to me. It's an option for it, though. It I is? know, the yeah. chokehold? <laughs> <laughs> for people who like to sleep with someone's hand right there, yeah. Just being strangled. I, just leaning forward. Here's another thing, though, and this is a point in the turtle's defense. When you have it on, you are very you're almost, you're practically mummified. So it, now I'm remembering. I think Greg puts his sleep mask on and some tune. I mean, you're really like I know I I I am not to be disturbed for the next six hours. Maybe pop an Ambien and you know. Whereas I like to, I'm the kind of person where like I don't even like to wear sunglasses because I. I feel like then I can't tell what's going on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe it just, it was, t- it took me out of, out of uh, the scene a little too much or something. It, I felt too um, wrapped up in it. Right. And also simultaneously vulnerable. You could be yes, attacked. That's the word. Uh, you're, you're not ready to spring into action. Right. Whereas it sounds like Greg is, it'll be like an hour before he's able to defend himself. <laughs> yes. that, that for me... I I do like to be able to just spring into action. Mm-hmm. Or like, if I have to get up and use the restroom, I don't want to have to be... Pe- yes. I mean, apologies to Beth. She did give me one as a gift. But I the idea of unwrapping mm-hmm. myself and getting up. And then the iPad or the eye mask thing, I can't do that on a plane. Yeah. And also, taking an Ambien for me is all I would need. Mm-hmm. I could fall asleep on a bathroom floor if I have an Ambien. Right. I don't need the, the rest of the things. The accoutrements, but yeah. also... If I'm traveling less than five hours, I don't I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. I, I I imagine if I was traveling to you know Japan or something, that feels like you're bringing the whole the suit, the sleeping suit, the duvet. But if I'm going to New York or something, right? Well, I, I don't know. I just that feels like a little much for me. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're when you fall asleep on a plane, do you sleep the entire time? No. I fall asleep for maybe 45 minutes and then I wake up and then I'm, I'm, I'm in a true hell because I'm like, now I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. I have all of the energy in the world and now I'm just trapped in sky jail for the next four hours. I tend to fall asleep at the very end. Oh. I get very sleepy at the end and I always wonder like, is there some, does the oxygen change near the end? Because it actually sucks that now, <laughs> oh, now I'm sleepy? Now when I need to like grab all my crap and get off the plane and, and look alive and get, you know, and go to baggage claim and all this, like it had to happen now? That's but a bummer. To me, that seems perfect because if I fall, I'll usually fall asleep within like the first half hour. Then I wake up and I think, oh, the flight's almost over. And then I have to watch like two full movies, yeah. which is just too much. I would rather have the slow torture into sleep and then wake up as we're landing and then kind of groggily make my way through the airport. Mm-hmm. But I, I've never experienced it. So I guess, I, you know, I'm speaking to a fantasy. Right. Well, one day, though, you know, it's your, you can put it on your vision board. <laughs> Fall asleep for the last 45 minutes of a flight. <laughs> so I have a lot of questions. We do have to get to the, 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 the question mark surrounding the protein bar. But let's first talk about I Said No Gifts. Sure. Your hit podcast feature Apple Spotlight podcast. Oh, bless them. Um, 
So I'm wondering about how the idea came about, because it seems like in some of the coverage I've seen about it, it is really treating it like you have like, like it's really like you have a real issue around gifts. It is really like a serious, <laughs> like it's exposure therapy for, for it's like an etiquette thing for someone who doesn't want gifts and stuff. But it, but it strikes me as more like it was kind of like a funny title and it's like a fun. What's the truth? I think it's somewhere in between. I think it was just a dumb idea I had. Uh, I had wanted to do a podcast, but had no ideas. And I was driving home from work one night and the idea kind of came to me and it was pretty self-explanatory from the very beginning. Like, that's the title. That's the concept. That's all we'll do. And it didn't really change from there. But I, I am someone who's... Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are uncomfortable getting gifts. It's not like, I don't know. I don't know many people who are like, I love to receive items in front of other people. <laughs> um, but it is, it is something that makes me uncomfortable. When somebody gives me a gift or a card or something at a party, I'm like, I, should I open this here? Or yes. I'm I just, I don't, I never know what to do. Maybe it's just because I don't know my manners are all over the place. Uh, and so like the, this dumb idea became a thing that kind of speaks to how I interact with the world. And, but then it's just, it is just a, very dumb podcast. <laughs> People bring me a gift. I open it up and we talk about it. it. For me, it was more just like, oh, this will be an idea that the guest gets to bring something that they get to talk about that they're hopefully excited to talk about. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been guests who have brought things where I'm like, why did you bring this? You don't want to talk about this. You're not excited about this. So now you've brought a thing that neither of us wants to talk about. <laughs> uh, and uh, But for the most part, people do bring things that are either they find funny or that they're genuinely excited about or like like someone will bring something that's been good in their life and like Beth, for example, uh, it remains to be seen if it'll improve my life, the turtle, but it's <laughs> definitely improved Beth's life. Uh, so it's uh, kind of all over the place. Got but, it. Yeah. Got but it. of course, now with the internet and having to uh, like find hidden layers beneath every single piece of media and whatever, we've gotten into this thing where it's like, what's the serious reason behind this podcast? And mostly it's be the, the reason is I'm an idiot and I had an <laughs> idiotic idea. Now we've done it for over two years. Well, it's interesting that you feel like you need to have sort of a, a special idea. It, it, interesting and also smart because here I am, uh, not to make it about me, which well, I'm about to. Do it. Yeah. Um, with my show, which is really just an interview conversation show in my day, you could do that, but not I anymore. feel like you really can't anymore. But I, but oftentimes I feel like, I feel like you can't any, you can't start a new one like that anymore. And also maybe I would be better served by not, I mean, I'm not thinking of changing mine or anything, but well. at the same time, like I it's, it is weird to have a show that doesn't have that particular angle, you know? Well, but you've been just doing it for so long that you're good at it. And oh, so you. I, like for me, I had I had been on like three podcasts even prior to doing it. So I was like, I better have something to count on each episode other than just talking. Mm -hmm. Because God knows if I'll even be able to carry a conversation. So it was not like a nice little safety net to begin with. And then I was like, oh, I enjoy doing this. Uh, but yeah, it does feel like, well, first of all, Starting any type of podcast at this point feels like an impossibility because there are <laughs> truly like 30 billion of them. Yeah. Uh, so I feel very lucky that anyone's even listening to mine. So I think that – but the thing that did help was there was a gimmick. Like I guess you kind of have to have some little 
turn on a, po- mm-hmm. a hook, some sort of hook. Your elevator point. pitch. You've got to right. have that elevator, elevator pitch. You simply must have an <laughs> elevator pitch. <laughs> um, so let's get in. Uh, no, I want to get into your backstory. But let's first, the question that everyone is dying to know Did I get it right? Do you eat a protein bar when your body naturally wakes you up at 645 and you get excited to drink coffee and read chapter of a book and then the newspaper and then Wordle and Hurdle? (laughs) That was my morning. I uh, Yeah, I eat a protein bar. Okay, I was right. I eat a protein bar, yes. Because my brain was saying, or is it cereal? Oh, I haven't had cereal uh, for breakfast uh, since high school, probably. Oh, my word. Uh, those were the days. But now I'm eating some type of protein bar every morning. Uh, that feels like a reasonable thing to eat yeah. as an adult, and uh, it doesn't require any preparation. It's essentially just kind of mush for me to chew on mm-hmm. while I read. Uh, the coffee is... That's the, the commercial, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking directly into camera. It's the mush that I chew on while I read. <laughs> and, okay, so we know Tony eats a Quest... Bar. Mm-hmm. I've never had a Quest bar. Is that a good bar? I mean, they're passable. Right. That's yeah. basically what I'm doing every morning. There's, like, there's different flavors. and yeah. What flavor are you eating? I've been doing the cookies and cream. That sounds too sweet to me. That's fair. <laughs> That's and fair. What kind are you going for? I'm getting like a chocolate peanut butter. What brand? Uh, I'll eat like a Think bar. Oh, like yeah, a, sure. Which are kind of just bland, mm-hmm. you know, sweet enough, but a little bit salty. Uh, Nature Valley protein bar, I don't mind. That actually has like a nut in it, which yeah. is nice, a nice crunch. Those are the two I alternate between. Okay. I'm, I'm not, uh, it's basically because those are the ones I'm aware of. And mm-hmm. They're usually the ones on sale. That's also very important to me. So I've been trying some uh, protein shakes occasionally. And you're making them in the morning? No, no, no. Please, <laughs> please. No, I just mean like the ones that um, you buy and then you unscrew and then you right. sip. Like um, there's one by Fairlife. That oh, is vanilla. Who makes, the, who makes the milk? Yes, that's that lower smells. carb. Oh, does it smell? Have you ever had that milk? You have. I haven't noticed that it smells. What does it I smell I tried like? it. Uh, it smells like a swamp. What? It smells disgusting. <laughs> Wait, I My have... apologies to the Fairlife brand. It seems like they've got uh, a I, good goal. I'm but... going to have to go take a whiff of the protein uh, shake and see if it also smells like a swamp. Wait, so the, I've had their... It's like 1% milk, and I took... I smelled it yesterday to see if it was still good, and I didn't get a swamp Interesting. Smell. I wonder if I just drank bad... <laughs> Like <laughs> swamp, like bad, but not rotten milk. It doesn't smell like rotten milk. It smelled like truly a latrine. Like a swampy latrine. Like uh, algae and urine. Yeah, like algae and shit. I'm oh. sorry to the Fairlife brand. Again, my apologies. But, oh, my God. Uh, I drank it. I was like, I can't continue consuming this product. I didn't get sick, but uh, uh, then I, I Googled it. I was like, is it supposed to smell bad? And there were a lot of Google searches oh, saying, does it, does, is it supposed to smell bad? Oh, my God. This is... This is, I mean, first of all, Tony, there's a lot of drops that need to get played. <laughs> and second of all, I have half mind to stop this interview right now and go Google this. I gotta, I have my, I have no memory right now, but swamp fair love. I have got, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff I love. But you, thank you. You've had a, um, I'm fine with it. Their protein shake? Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's pretty good. Okay. That, and then what's the other one? I'm forgetting, but they're all like, 140 or 150 calories and like right that's the the area we're looking for in the morning right yes like a below 200 calorie low carb 
protein heavy exactly product. that kind of situation so you have your you have your mush you what kind of what book are you reading um i just finished uh crying in h mart by michelle zahner mm. zahner zahner she is a musician who performs under the name japanese breakfast this is uh, it's a book essentially about uh her mom dying oh uh and her kind of beginning of her music career which it's fascinating it's really great she's uh korean-american her mom was a uh, Korean woman, and her dad, uh, I can't remember where they met, uh, but it's just about her mom getting cancer and dying, and it's uh, very poignant and lovely, and also largely about like uh, Korean food and her memories of that with her mom and learning to cook it herself, and uh, I thought it was just lovely, very sweet, uh, but also a very sad book yeah. to read every morning. Sounds sad. What drew you to that book? I had heard good things about it, and I like her as a musician, so uh, uh, I was like, why not? Mm -hmm. And it uh, was very enlightening, and a nice, I mean, despite being about uh, the death of a parent, a fairly quick, breezy, breezy's probably not the right word for it, but you know, in the morning I was like, I'm not going to be like chopping through weeds reading this book, it's going to be a nice, clear, concise read. Yeah. I really recommend it. I'm very impressed that you're reading books. Uh, I am too, to be honest. I mean, considering the rest of my day is completely wasted just staring at nonsense on my phone, uh, it's it's shocking that I'm able to make it through even a chapter each morning. But are you are you disciplined? Like you don't pick up your phone till after the mush and the book? Yes, I'm That's like. So good. Uh, it's the only time of the day where I feel some level of control over that uh, addiction. Did you have to? Uh, did you have to be like, did it not you? What am I trying to say? I cannot get, I cannot get the words under control here. <laughs> Speaking of not having no control, did it used to not be like that? And then you had to create this routine to get, get, to get your morning, how you wanted it to be. That was not how I wanted that sentence <laughs> to come out, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I I can't remember when the routine began because there was the first period of, uh, my life in LA that was like from 2010 to about 2014 when I would wake up and like maybe 10 minutes before, well, 15 minutes before my job started and then go to work. And so there was no reading time then. So I guess it started when I got my first writing job and my first writing job was at Jimmy Kimmel and we had to start writing at 7 a.m. And so my days like that would begin with me waking up in a panic at six o'clock, drinking about 36 ounces of cold brew, writing for an hour before our work was due. And then I would have, I think, probably an hour and a half before I actually had to go into the office mm. because our initial work is done was done from home and then emailed in. And so I think during that period, I had nothing else to do except for feel extremely jittery from all the coffee I had consumed. And uh, so I had to fill it with something, and I, would start, I started reading then. That makes about... Uh, that might be I might be creating a fiction here, I, but that sounds like a an explanation, right? But the not picking up the phone till after the picking up the phone is just something that I I've been like I know that the rest of my day that's not going to make me happy, mm-hmm. so why not push it off as long as possible? Even while I'm reading the book, I'll be like, should I look at my phone? Oh, and yeah. then I'll think, why not just read a few more pages before the day starts to fall that's apart? So good, that's so good because it feels good. I have a real like constant oh, no matter course. what i'm doing i'm wanting to grab at my phone and i'll be on my computer looking at 
a social media thing and wanting to grab for, I mean, of it's course very bad. just i want to see this thing on yeah. my computer on a different screen <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so stupid <laughs> i've uh even during tv a friend recommended like leaving my phone in another room while i'm watching a movie and i well I, let's be honest i'm doing that about 30 percent of the time but when i do it it's amazing i yeah. watch the movie yeah 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 i have trouble yeah just like putting some barrier between you and your phone i don't know it's a terrible thing it's really bad um okay so you grew up salt lake city salt lake city right outside of salt lake city in a a suburb called south jordan do you know these cookies that i'm talking about of course i mean these have uh become popular since i left utah Mm -hmm. i think they probably rose in fame in like 2000 13 i want to say that's when they first like at least came onto my radar when i would go uh, trips home started noticing these sugar cookies do you have an opinion about uh whether dutchman's or swig originated them because <laughs> i dutchman's 100 okay. okay yes that so carly weisel uh who she wrote a story about it for eater and then the the package of stories it was about gas station foods mm-hmm. um just won an asme which is like a big journalism award but anyway her story is sort of about this, um, about the popularity of the cookie in Utah and, uh, and the, the conflict and like almost arms race between Dutchman's and Swig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's clear that she thinks that Dutchman's really originated and she prefers Dutchman's. Well, this is what I'll say is I have been aware of Dutchman's since I was a kid. Swig, I've been aware of since 2013. So you tell me. A burn. Uh, also, <laughs> Swig, <laughs> Swig is like also known for their soda. Yes. Which is also just such a bizarre thing in general. That whole element of Utah culture is so bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Swig, give me a break. There's not even a, there's no competition. Dutchman's has been around for a very long time as far as I can tell yeah and swig seems like some something they're like let's serve soda and rip off dutchman's yes <laughs> i mean and then a bunch of people ripped off swig and now there's like a soda cookie shop on every corner in utah right i have tried a dirty diet coke though and i what did, did enjoy think? it what did you have in it i had let's see if i remember i had it was diet coke lime mm-hmm. no diet coke coconut Tarani flavoring, <laughs> lime, and heavy cream. Oh my god, what is that? It was drink? really good. Why why is there diet in there? Like why not just use regular Coke for that? Um I don't know, <laughs> but so I appreciated sad. the DC. <laughs> I don't know. Uh listeners of the show, we probably talked about it on the show, but it was at Jenna and Al's house. Um, so there's my Monday show and then my Thursday show. My Thursday show is a group show. Right. Jenna and Al, who were regulars on the show for years, and then they moved to Georgia without even getting my permission. <laughs> they are Mormon. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, and so they are all about – well, specifically, they're – I don't know if they're all about the Dirty Diet Coke. They just know about of Dirty course, Diet Coke. Right, right. Jenna is all about fresh Diet Coke from McDonald's. Oh, I had That's, one on my way over here. You did. I'm not I've, I've never felt, and I'm sorry, I know this is controversial. I've never personally felt that Fountain Diet Coke is different. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. No question. And she also loves pebble ice. 
Uh, I can go either way. Okay. I, I don't mind a pebble ice. I'll take it if you got it. But yeah. uh, pe- people who are really committed to pebble ice, they're like, it doesn't make that much of a difference. She has her own too. pebble ice maker. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> she's good. So yeah. Uh, she's into it. But anyway, through her, I I knew already about like the whole Dirty Diet Coke thing. Mm-hmm. and But what was interesting to me is so my best friend growing up was Mormon but they were the kind of Mormons that like no caffeine at all. Oh, so then I was like shocked that Jenna drinks so much Diet Coke. Right. And then of I course. found out it's not so not you, hashtag not all Mormons. Right. Did you grow this best friend? Where did you grow up? Uh, Orange County, California. Okay. So I think a lot of Mormons outside of Utah are a, not all of them, but uh, they'll either be way more moderate or mm-hmm. they'll be uh, far more. Uh, into the rules of the religion. Got it. Whereas, like, in Utah, I would say they're not... Utah Mormons are not quite moderate Mormons, but they're a little bit But they're not Jack Mormons, right? They're not Jack Mormons. They're just slightly looser with the rules. Right. But the rule is... The official rule is no hot drinks, and it becomes so confusing. Yes. Because that basically just means coffee or tea. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then people have somehow decided that's also caffeine. Can you have hot cocoa you can have hot cocoa that's where it gets very confusing mm-hmm. you can have hot apple cider you can have hot drink uh, it makes so it's it... just not hot caffeinated drinks or cold or <laughs> right. uh cold coffee or cold tea got it it's uh but of course it, it depends on it varies from mormon to mormon yes my mom drinks hot tea but it's uncaffeinated hot tea but she'll drink diet coke could you have decaf coffee no okay it makes boy <laughs> it may come as a surprise, but some of the rules make absolutely no sense. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, my family was one of the ones that could drink caffeinated soda. Got it. But not coffee. So you grew up in the Mormon faith, um, not yet eating the Dutchman's cookies <laughs> not at that time. And then uh, at what point did you leave the Mormon faith? And uh, what was that like for you? I left, uh, officially, officially, I left in 2016. But well, I had... fairly recently. Yeah, fairly recently. But that was just like on the books, mm-hmm. left the church. I had uh, stopped practicing uh, in probably 2005, 2004-ish. That's like when the exit began. Uh, I had been on a Mormon mission, uh, which was supposed to be two years. I left four months in after I had a panic attack, mm. like a complete nervous breakdown, um, which was is not a good move within Mormonism. Like, socially, it kind of throw, casts a shadow on you. Are you supposed to be stoic? Yes. And, like, every male in Utah is just kind of, it's just kind of assumed they'll go on a Mormon mission for two years instead of going to college for, mm. you know, uh, the college gets delayed. And I think that kind of plays into people getting trapped in the church uh but i went and was not entirely convinced of it largely because and again i didn't come out for years and years and after uh but like the knowledge of like i'm not i know i'm not normal i like the idea of being gay was way off the radar for me but i was like there's something going on Mm. and so like that was like the key that unlocked all of the logic of the religion for me where i was like well if i'm this and they tell me i'm not if if I'm gay and they say gay isn't a real thing, then like my reality, one of these realities is not true. And it feels like my personal experience is true rather than this thing that like a 90 year old prophet's telling me. Was that agonizing? 
It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible for years and years. It, uh, I mean, it's like my life is what it is, and I'm very happy where I am now. But like, I sometimes I'll think like, what would my middle school experience have been if I had known if people had just you know been positive about my sexuality or like uh acknowledged that i was a real person what would high school have been like what would have college have been it's like it i there's obviously nothing i can do about it now uh but and i probably wouldn't be in la right now or like doing my dream job if it hadn't been for all of that shit but also i might be a better adjusted person yeah uh the first 30 years of my life probably would have been much more pleasant. Uh, I, I lived in LA for five years before I even came out. So I was extremely lonely. I was, it was terrible. Like uh, when, uh, I don't know. I, the Mormon church, I have an enormous amount of problems with. I know a lot of Mormons who I love dearly, but I, uh, for a long time, I was like, I don't, even after having left the religion, I was very quiet about my opinion of the church but now i'm like it's a billion dollar corporation that made my life hell has driven a lot of people i mean and i don't want to get too dark or anything but like to suicide like it's ruined lives because it's run by a bunch of backwards shitty people uh and uh i'm glad i feel very lucky to have gotten out of it and i hope that my experience uh i hope that other mormon like if i can help one other mormon feel like oh there is a way out that doesn't end in doing meth uh i hope that that i that'll help uh but yeah not a great religion i'll say and um was your how was your family about it all they were wonderful that's uh i was terrified i went home for christmas in 2015 and i had been with my current boyfriend for like a year and uh I waited the, I was home for like a week and the last day or, uh, before I was supposed to come back to LA, I packed my bags and I was like, uh, I'm going to tell my parents and we'll just see where we go from here and just expect, because I've seen it go in a million different directions, you know, like bad, very bad to good. And my parents are as lovely as they are, uh, are very conservative and still believe in the religion. So I thought this could blow up in my face and, they could ask me to leave. And then they were fantastic. My dad especially really surprised me because he's, you know, like a, you know, very traditionally male, like Utah man owns a bunch of guns. And he was so sweet and lovely. And then my mom was very lovely. She was a little distant at first. She had some, you know, a lot of questions, just like was not completely, uh, you know, she just hasn't had a lot of exposure to the gay community out. Uh, and so like she had some questions which were probably inappropriate, but I was so happy she was asking them. It's like, Oh, so you just don't know. And like, this is not clear to you. And, uh, they were terrific. And then they met my boyfriend a year later, uh, which was shortly after the election of Donald Trump. And it was a very contentious time between my parents and I. Uh, but it, uh, my boyfriend is a very gregarious, loud, uh, Italian from New Jersey and won them over immediately. And so, and like, and so it just normalized it. And, uh, for the most part, every, every Mormon that's been in my life, uh, has accepted me and been wonderful about it. I mean, there are probably Mormons out there from my past or whatever that are like, go, oh, did you hear about Bridger? But who gives a shit? Um, I am wondering <clears throat> what kind of questions your mom asked you, but 
I feel like it might not be right for me to ask you that question. So if it's too personal, you uh, <laughs> thousand percent don't have to answer it. Um, I will. No, I can. I can tell you. I mean, I'll, I will say like my mom meant well, and uh, like I again, I'm very happy she asked. But there were questions like, "Were you molested?" Like things like. Mm. Like trying to reason, like oh, like is his brain broken? Like was his br- was his brain broken as a kid, and so that's why he's behaving this way. Things that like she was like looking for logic for me to be gay rather than just the fact that I'm gay. Right. Uh, I was not molested, obviously. Uh, like there was no like trigger or anything that turned me gay. I think she was looking for things like that, which just like went to show that like she just wasn't familiar with it. Right. It, and like in her way of thinking, it's the idea that you're born that way. She wasn't there yet. Right. And um, I mean, I, I don't know where she stands quite right now, but uh, she's so accepting of me and my boyfriend and so lovely. And uh, I think she's evolved enormously. And I was happy that she asked those questions. And uh, yeah, I would much rather her have asked than been like, than had a bunch of preconceived notions that she yeah. just uh, kept from me. Yeah, because it shows that she's trying to connect. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's worked out. I don't know. Good. I feel very extremely lucky because, you know, again, like I saw kids sent to like conversion therapy and all of that nonsense. So, I mean, that was a large part of the reason that I just waited and waited and waited until I knew that I could like, it, was, it wasn't until I got my first writing job where I was like, oh, I know I'll be able to live uh, independently. I don't have to count on my family for anything anymore. If this, uh, like, because up until then, I was like, what if this LA fantasy of getting a job doesn't work out and I have to move back to Utah? Like, I was afraid I was going to be shunned or whatever. Mm-hmm. So once I had that feeling of like, I'm a in- completely independent person, I can count on myself, uh, I felt ready to tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get into your interest in becoming a writer and in entertainment, like your career path. But I just wanted to go back and ask um, a question about something you had said, because um, the way you said it was interesting to me. You said a couple things about um, that, like in the religion, this idea that people like you aren't a real thing or don't exist. And it made me wonder um, sort of what the what what in the religion you are learning like what the idea of gay people is because i thought the way you were that you put it like oh people like me don't exist as opposed to like people like me are uh sinful or something like do they believe that gay people don't exist or no i mean they they do believe they exist but they believe you know it's entirely a a decision a choice a lifestyle choice oh i see what you mean don't exist as something natural right so it was like uh they, and they they I also see. have that horrible uh, hate the sin, not the sinner yeah. philosophy, which just makes me want to throw up everywhere. Right. Uh, so like that, knowing that that was a choice, oh. or thinking that was a choice, made it think like, well, I don't. This reality of mine doesn't actually exist. I'm like somehow I'm the one broken right. of all of these because I, if I were gay, I would have had to choose this. Which is, I mean, it's uh, even as I'm saying, I'm like, what are we talking about? This is so confusing. The logic of all all, all that nonsense is so obnoxious. But uh, it's such a, it's yeah. such a fucking mind <laughs> mind so burden wild. to put on a young person. I know it's so unfair. Who's just trying to like live their life. It's and so confusing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you meet your boyfriend? Uh, Tinder. 
We, uh, I had been on a bunch of terrible Tinder dates and uh, almost canceled on him. I was like, he seems kind of obnoxious over Tinder because he's overwhelming and uh, messaged a lot with a lot of kind of sincere emoji work, which is not quite my thing. Uh, so I was like, this guy can't possibly be worth meeting. And then I met him and he was that person in person, which is uh, a lot of fun and like just a nice presence to be around. He's very sincere and oh, kind of loud and over the top, uh, which he's aware of because <laughs> he's very Jersey Italian and uh, it made him very easy to uh, love immediately. That's so sweet. Bridger, that's the kind of memory that you would want to keep forever. Uh, and you know how you might want to keep that memory forever? I would recommend something like StoryWorth. I don't know if you're familiar with StoryWorth. It's this great service. You subscribe to it. You give it to someone you love. They send them a prompt every week with a question. And then the person writes in with their response to the question, or they can call it in. At the end of a year, they take all of the stories and they put it into a hardbound book. So you have a book of memories. And it is a wonderful keepsake heirloom to pass down to generations. It makes a wonderful Mother's Day. I thought I knew my mom better than anyone. One day we were chatting and I heard a story I'd never heard before. That got me wondering how many other stories don't I know? That's why I got my mom's story worth. Look, I just told you guys what story worth is. I've mentioned story worth a bunch on this show. Every time I do, people go out, they get story worth for a loved one. And then I get a flurry of, I should set up a special email address just to talk about StoryWorth because I get so many responses and I love each and every one of them from people saying how much StoryWorth was an amazing gift because it is. Uh, it's just the best. It's so invent. I look, I could just, I could talk all day. Tony, I'm going to start a podcast just to talk about StoryWorth. All right. You need a producer? I do. Do you right. know someone? Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> it really is. It's just, it's just such a good, it's just wonderful because you don't want to lose stories you want to keep them uh give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years story worth right now for a limited time you'll save ten dollars on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash best friend that's story s-t-o-r-y worth w-o-r-t-h.com slash best friend to save ten dollars on your first purchase storyworth.com slash best friend i also want to tell you guys about ring alarm pro i'm sure we all know about the ring video doorbell by now i can't imagine Imagine my life without it. But something you may not know, Ring makes an alarm. It's true. They make an alarm. Ring Alarm is an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe. Best of all, you can easily install it yourself. And Ring didn't stop there. They've changed the home security game with Ring Alarm Pro. That's why I decided to work with Ring to put a ring of security around my home with the new Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is next-level security. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. Allison Rosen calls it that too. And after using it, they're right. Ring Alarm Pro helps secure my entire home and the Wi-Fi it runs on. With Ring Alarm Pro, Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router. So this thing helps protect my home and secure your network. So now I have a secure network with a crazy strong signal for all the devices across my home. And if you're anything like me, that's a lot of devices. I told you, Daniel's dream for this home is that everything would run off of his phone. Not my phone, his phone. And now we have that. And he's so happy. And, but now it's all secure because of our Ring Alarm Pro. So when we're traveling, everything at home is protected and connected, and it'll stay that way. With a Ring Alarm Pro subscription, 
which is an amazing deal, by the way. You get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. And if anything happens, professional monitoring will call you and you can request emergency services. Uh, I love Ring Alarm Pro. I am such a Ring Alarm Pro fan. When we moved into this house, we wanted an alarm system. I did not want to go with one of the other big names, those services where you have to call them and they come out. And then if anything goes wrong, it takes forever to get them back out. And it's you're in a relationship with them and you don't want to be. Uh, and then I found out that Ring, who I already was a big fan of because of their doorbell, I found out they have an alarm system. We went out, we got it. Daniel installed it himself. It was super easy. And we uh, have just been... Rocking and rolling ever since. <laughs> That's right. You too can rock and roll. You may not have known, but it's true. Ring has an award-winning alarm. And to protect my home, I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. To learn more, go to ring.com forward slash best friend. That's ring.com forward slash best friend. Okay. Bridger. <laughs> so, okay. You're growing up in Utah. Um, when did you take an interest in uh, becoming a writer, comedy, entertainment, all that? Um, I would say, like, I didn't really know it was a job job or the, like a, an attainable job until late in college. I, I was interested in making, doing silly things or making people laugh for a long time, but, uh, I didn't, it never seemed like a remote possibility of something I could actually do. And, uh, through high school and college, I thought, I mean, I had heard of directing, so I thought, oh, maybe I could be a director. Uh, did nothing to pursue that uh, outside of making the occasional video here or there. And then uh, somehow became aware of, like, obviously you you're, you know these things on television are written or whatever, but uh, I guess through late night TV, you know, you would see, like, Letterman would bring one of his writers on or something, and I'd be like, oh, that's... This, that's the person I would want to be. Um, and then I figured out how to do uh, that. There were internship possibilities. And so started applying to various programs and uh, applied to Letterman a few times. And I think on my third time, they accepted me into their internship and I just felt like I had won a sweepstakes. And so I went and interned for their writer's department, which was good and bad. And that was the first time where I was like, Oh, maybe I can get into this business without my uncle being a producer on something mm. or having any sort of in anywhere. I was at the University of Utah and didn't know a single person in the entertainment industry. So uh, it was like that combined with like Twitter as a joke platform where it's like, oh, I can write, I know how to, or I can learn how to write jokes. It took me a really long time. Uh, those things kind of converging to make me feel like there was even a small possibility of making money doing it. And then it slowly worked out. So good and bad, Letterman, why? I mean, it was a toxic uh, workplace. It was an angry, unhappy place that I think uh, essentially no one was happy there. Mm. Uh, I mean, he certainly wasn't. He, uh, I'm sure he would probably admit that at this point. I think just... For, from afar, you can see that he's like evolved as a person and seems to be in a better headspace. But when I was working there, he did not seem like a happy person at all. Uh, I mean, my interactions with him were pretty good, thank God. Uh, I got to be on the show a couple of times, which was just wild. And he seemed uh, to enjoy me uh, from the small glimpse he got of me. But like uh, every day as an intern there, I felt like I was being hazed and it was that was difficult. Yeah. Everyone was incredibly stressed and 
afraid for their jobs or whatever. It just didn't seem like a happy place mm-hmm. to be. But for me, it was, and also like, obviously I just had zero money. I was eating like crackers for lunch every day. And, uh, so there was that part, but then it was like, this is as close to my dream as I possibly, as at that point as I had gotten. So I didn't take it for granted. And I just, uh, dealt with the huge amount of, uh, torture that I, uh, <laughs> had to deal with. Was it good natured hazing or no? It was, I think all hazing sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's all so bad. Uh, it like, it was. It didn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. It made me feel... So it was like bullying. Yeah. I mean, there was a decent amount of what felt like bullying, which was not great. But then there were the upsides of the job of like, oh, now I'm on TV. I'm playing Alan Coulter's son on the show. It's like, this is something I could have never, in my wildest fantasy, have thought would come true. So uh, the uh, stuff that made me want to cry and just uh, not uh, be there, I just put up with. And... Was that like from other producers and things? It was, I mean, I was in the writer's department and it was, uh, there were some very sweet writers and there were some writers that were uh, less uh, fun to be around. Mm. I mean, a lot of them though are uh, some of the sweetest people, but they were just, it was not a, a happy atmosphere to be in. And then where did you go from there? I went home. I uh, graduated from the University of Utah in English. And, uh, I was an English major. Oh. But I don't read like you. <laughs> I mean, I try, but... (laughs) I certainly didn't read during college. Uh, I don't know how I got my English degree, but I did. Then I worked as a copywriter for Overstock.com for maybe two years, year and a half or something. Uh, And then just during that time, kept telling people, oh, you know, I'm going to move to LA, I'm going to move to LA, and then didn't. And eventually, it started to feel embarrassing that I hadn't moved to LA. (laughs) And so it kind of... um, my back was against the wall and I moved out here and uh, got a job as a production assistant, which lasted far longer than I expected it to. Uh, Where was that? Um, it was at Craig Ferguson. Okay. And so I was so there. now you're again at late night. Yeah. late. Uh, yeah, that show was produced by Letterman. So that's that was like my in there. And I was there for like, I think, four and a half years uh, to the point where I was like, oh, well, I moved to LA and tried. Uh, I guess it's time to wrap it up. And then truly maybe a month later... Wait, you felt like you need to wrap it up because you were still a production assistant? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had watched other friends or whoever start to get actual writing jobs. And I was like, in much shorter, uh, much shorter period of time. And uh, it felt like my opportunities had passed me by. I was like... There had been a couple like slight window openings that was like, oh, that's that could be a writing job. And then it didn't materialize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was like, well, I, it seemed like I gave it a shot and it didn't work out. And four and a half years of, uh, not making a lot of money and being kind of miserable and also being, you know, extremely lonely. I wasn't out yet, so I wasn't dating. And so I was like, well, I guess I, it's time to go back to Utah or whatever. And, uh, like one, sorry, I asked you a question. Now I'm interrupting you. When you say you weren't out yet though, but you weren't out yet, but were you to yourself? No, of, no. So you, so you did not identify to yourself as gay either. Not really. Maybe okay. like, maybe a, just like the shadow of it. But like, I like I um, dated a two women. Mm. Uh, like that. That was like the final straw. Basically, where I was like, I'm going to give this at least give that a shot to, because maybe I'm not gay, and I just it's just because I haven't dated a woman yet. And then of course, as we know, that doesn't work. Uh, and 
made me feel like a complete psycho or I was like, I'm now in a relationship with someone that I'm not attracted to. Uh, what am I doing? And, uh, that's when I finally like really did come out to myself where I was like, okay, I gave it a shot. Mm. I tested, I gave it an honest go. Obviously I'm gay. Yeah. But then it was like, it was still a few years before I actually like did anything with that, that information that I just held a secret, which is, uh, Mormonism. Yeah. Just uh, kept a real grasp on me. Mm. Did you have? Did, were you in therapy or anything? No, no. That's a lot. That's <laughs> it's a lot. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's wild that I went through it uh, and made it out. Uh, I know, and I I just feel very lucky that it didn't end in a worse way. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, but now, I yeah, it's just uh, I dealt with it. I. I guess I'm just very good at putting up with just terrible misery. (laughs) (laughs) But it, like you had started to say at the beginning, it is a really hopeful story to other people who might be struggling out there. I hope so. I hope that like, because, you know, for me growing up, I had never heard of a Mormon that like of this path for them. Like I had no idea that that was even a, a thing you could do. And like, there was no real guiding light for me or whatever. The only people who I knew had come out, it had blown up in their face. So I was like, well, that's going to happen to me. So I hope that at least somebody at some point that my little story is helpful. I think so. I had started to cut, I know I didn't start to cut you off. I uh, fully cut you off. You were saying <laughs> about a month after you decided like, let's wrap it up. Oh, happened. right, right. I had started like uh, researching like social media jobs in Utah and just like, this is it. And then my friend was like, just hang on a little longer and I, uh, Jimmy Kimmel reached out to me through Twitter and uh, wow, basically hired me. Uh, it took, you know, it was like a, over the course of a month or so, but like he reached out and was like, I, I really like your tweets and think you're funny. Are you working? Are you, are you working as a writer? And I told him no. And he's like, set up some meetings and then, or set up a meeting, which was a full month later, which was very stressful for me as far as tweeting goes, because I was like, this guy's looking at my things. <laughs> this is the, the final boat out. Like, what do I do? Um, so I was very careful uh, to think of the funniest possible things I could for the span of about 30 days. Uh, just total freak out the entire time. And then uh, I went and met him at his office and he was lovely. And he just said, we just want to make sure you're not a psycho. And then they hired me, and uh, it just completely turned everything around for me. And that was in 2014? 24, yeah, the uh, fall of 2014. That must have been so exciting when Jimmy Kimmel, did he direct message you? Yes. That's it was crazy. so bizarre <laughs> and just surreal, and uh, I had, yeah, the, I I was went into a full panic about how to respond. Unfortunately, I was with a friend at the time, and he was just like, just say thank you. <laughs> It's like, well, that that didn't occur to me <laughs> to just thank someone. I like, uh, so I said thank you, and uh, that uh, that little bit of uh, n- another person's normal brain helping my my situation uh, got the wheels rolling. So then you started working at. That's so nice. So then you started working at Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. For how long were you there? I was there for like a year and a half. Um, I and really, I had no pl- like. The fact that I had gotten a writing job, I hadn't planned any further past that. I was like, if I get a, a writing job on a late night show like Letterman, that's all I need to do for the rest of my life. I was, I would have been perfectly happy doing that, especially for Jimmy, who's so lovely. Um, 
but I did that for a year and a half, and that was right uh, headed into the 2016 election, which the job became a lot more stressful because every day basically required thinking about Donald Trump mm. uh, more than even more than a normal person, which was not exactly uh, joyful. Um, but that coincided with this opportunity came along to work at Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was like another, you know, another dream had been like, if I could ever work on 30 Rock, uh, I mean, what a dream that would be. Uh, the show obviously was off the air at that point. And Kimmy was like, oh, so this is basically like getting to go work on 30 Rock. Sure, I'll take that opportunity. I mean, I felt bad. I was like, Jimmy gave me this writing job. I feel terrible leaving it. But he was so supportive and fantastic. And uh so that got me into the sort of TV writing I'm doing now. That's great. Did you work with Jack Burdett? I didn't. He was, uh, I think he was on season one and two of Kimmy. And I've worked with him just on uh, like a uh, fundraising show at one point. Uh, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. And uh, from what I, uh, my light experience and just from what I've heard, unbelievably funny. Yeah, he's great. Um, so, okay. So Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And then where'd you go from there? Um, I worked on Kimmy for the third season. I made my boyfriend move to New York. We sold everything, moved there, and then the show went on a 10-month hiatus. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is not ideal. Um, so we moved. I was like, let's just move to LA, move back to LA, and have that be our permanent place. If I go back to Kimmy, I'll just do that. I'll bounce around the country or whatever. And uh, in the meantime, I got this job at a show called Corporate on Comedy Central my, that my friends created, and it, that was fantastic. And then Kimmy called that fall, and uh, Robert Carlock, who's uh, one of the co-showrunners and creators of that show, and he called, and he's like, we're excited to have you back. And it's like, this, it was, that was the first year that I started making decisions where I was like, I'm going to do something that's, that feels like for my long-term happiness will feel good. And I was like... I can't do this. I can't come back to New York in the winter. I loved the show and I loved everyone there. And it was such an, an incredible opportunity. And I think that obviously Robert and Tina Fey are two of the smartest, funniest people I've ever worked with. But it's like, I don't think I can move back there and like sublet a place without my boyfriend this time. Like I, I'm going to have to stay in LA, which was scary. Like my agents were like, you can't do this. It's going to ruin your career. And uh, like, you can't say no to this job. And it's like, I, feel like i kind of have to i feel bad but and i would have loved to continue working on the show and with them but it was just like this i can't bounce around the country anymore i prefer to live in la and it feels just slightly easier for how my brain operates here so i turned it down and then uh uh just prayed that someone else would hire me and robert carlock on the phone was so sweet and so gracious and he was like well we're gonna tell all of hollywood we fired you <laughs> which made me feel nice so i was like uh, i appreciated that he kind of uh knew how terrified i was that i was leaving this opportunity be behind and uh, uh and then i marched off into looking for other writing jobs which was scary and fortunately worked out yeah and so what are you doing now? Um, I uh, just worked on this new Netflix show called Blockbuster uh, that'll hopefully be out in the fall. Um, the creator, Vanessa Ramos, and the co-showrunner, show, Jackie Clark, are just 
two of the sweetest, funniest people I've ever worked with. And uh, it's like a workplace thing that I think is going to be very fun and silly and uh, set in the last blockbuster store on the planet. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Bridger and Tony, if you've been looking to level up your financial portfolio, it's always good to diversify. Why not think about cryptocurrency backed by the world's leading investors? Coinbase keeps your portfolio safe and secure while adding crypto into your mix. I think cryptocurrency is interesting, and I'm excited to learn more about it with Coinbase. They make it easy to check out all in one place. Uh, I personally have felt intimidated by it in the past. However, I look forward to learning about it via Coinbase. They offer a trusted, easy-to-use platform uh, to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in and free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash Allison. Sign up at coinbase.com slash Allison for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash Allison. Okay, we're back. Um, so I gave you no warning about a segment that we sometimes do. <laughs> oh, I love this. I know. <laughs> It's called Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. Oh, perfect. This is a segment where you can tell someone to get fucked. Is there anyone <laughs> or anything working your nerves? And I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about it. And while you think about it, Tony, could you play one of our game show sounds? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. You choose which one. Well, that's not the one I was thinking of. You said choose one. Well, you chose wrong. I you feel want like thinking you, music. Yeah, I want thinking music. Okay, that's what I thought at first, but then the way you presented that, I, this well, is, you misinterpreted. This is on you. This no, this is classic in-person confusion. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Think about something that's pissing you off. Could be a situation, could be a person. I think I've got one. Okay, great. He's got one. (laughs) Okay, so the way this works is you tell us about the person and why they're pissing you off. And then at the end, you say, hey, name of person. And then Tony will play a drop. Okay, perfect. It'll be so much fun. Okay, it's going to require a little bit of explanation if that's okay. Oh, yeah. That's what we're here for. Okay, well, are you familiar with the Queen of Versailles? The documentary about the woman who created the biggest mansion in America. I have heard of it, and I think I've seen the beginning of it, but that's the extent of my familiarity. Okay, this woman, Jackie Siegel, and her husband, David Siegel, I believe, are two uh, unbelievably wealthy, uh, tasteless people uh, who have been, over the last 20 years, trying to build their dream home, Versailles, which they're calling Versailles, which uh, is... They've, they've been slowly building on a swamp in Florida, and there's a documentary that I think about 2009 uh, was released about them trying to build this house. They ran out of money uh, with the financial collapse. They had to stop construction, but they haven't given up the dream. Over the last 10 years or so, they've been kind of, I guess, circling the house, uh, just waiting to start building again. 
they have uh, th- this timeshare business that they run uh, that has made them wealthy again. So they've got the money back. Uh, Jackie now has a reality series called The Queen of Versailles Reigns Again. Mm. I've started watching it, and um, Jackie has wanted to build a Benihana-style kitchen in her house, uh, apparently since day one. Oh, wow. Episode two, she finds out from a variety of people that she's not allowed to build the Benihana kitchen in her uh, 90,000-square-foot home. So the so now do I say who the person who should go fuck off is? Yeah. All of the people telling Jackie she can't have the Benihana-style kitchen. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. This uh, woman yeah. has been telling everyone in her life, it's been her dream to have the hibachi grill, the giant ventilator, the restaurant-style si- seating, for her family and friends to enjoy a Japanese chef slicing and dicing things on this grill for her. And now suddenly she has to tear down the whole kitchen because apparently it'll make her whole house smell like a restaurant. But why can't she have it? I don't understand. Is it- a variety of reasons. Apparently. <laughs> what kind of code is preventing her from having her dream? Apparently there's some sort of code that says you can't have this style of, uh, of, of grill, grill or ventilator or something in your... You have to have a professional license or something. Oh. But apparently there's also the uh, obvious problem of it making your whole house smell like a restaurant, which... But I feel actually, like that's her choice. It also feels kind of in line with the way she lives her life. She's <laughs> yeah. got birds everywhere. Yeah. She's like... Her, her current house looks her filthy. Birds, actually. Wait, what's that? I feel like it might be bad for her birds. Well, I think it would be separate from the bird. Okay. Uh, she has birds in her her what she calls her morning kitchen um she has a giant bird cage in there but i think the the benihana thing would be uh probably on the other side of the house from the kitchen but now i have watched the heartbreaking deconstruction of half a benihana kitchen i've watched jackie almost cry meanwhile her dog has died we've watched it die in her arms oh my god um (laughs) this show is bonkers Do I need to watch this show? It's hard to say. I, I think it's actually kind of a bad show and not like not good bad. It's like not good. It's kind of dull. It's not it's not like housewives fun right. where it's a little like just watching this lady make bad decisions and her weird kids uh kind of like the artificial uh reality show arguments that they mm. kind of cook up for her to have uh it the documentary's worth watching because it's like a more tastefully made thing about tacky people this is just a tacky reality show about tacky people wait we gotta go back the dog died in her arms like they euthanized him in her no i'm pretty sure just i can't i i kind of spaced out while i was watching it but i'm pretty sure this dog just dies or maybe she just holds it dead i mean again this is very this is dark stuff to watch just yeah just reality show footage of like here's the dead dog uh and then they bury it somewhere like next to a chain link fence on their property it's uh, as one does uh oh they uh, she keeps it in a freezer as well like she freezes it and uh oh my god It's uh, but this is all the world of Jackie Siegel. Uh, yeah. You know, she's got endless wealth and a very limited everything else. We found a turtle shell in our backyard. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, "What is going on?" And then it occurred to us, 
it was probably a previous homeowner's oh, pet. Oh, it was buried. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we redid the backyard, so I okay. think it had... I'm trying to remember now... It was like in the flower bed. It wasn't like just sitting atop there with it with a note that says you with a knife stuck in it or something. No, I mean it it was pretty on the surface level. I mean, maybe it had a little dirt on it. I think the it was pretty like superficial. No, let but me, there was there were no other turtle remains? No, just the shell. And the wow. shell like had like a, a bit of it had been removed i think it was an old but that was our assumption that at some point right. it was some someone's pet that had been buried where's the shell now that's a good i think maybe in the trash i can't okay. remember that feels like a show and tell thing take it to school and show yeah. everyone look this turtle shell i found in my <laughs> mom's yard i know uh but probably also uh hygienically maybe not i thought it was pretty gross yeah i was not excited by it no <laughs> Uh, Tony, do you happen to have a hey go fuck yourself? You don't have to. But uh, I just want to no, give you an opportunity. I wasn't expecting this. No, I'm trying to keep it positive, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I do. You'd think I would. I mean, when we were on vacation, this story does not make me sound like I'm in a good place. <laughs> we, because I am very. I try to be very COVID safe. I only wanted to eat outdoors. Right. But you can't always only eat outdoors. So when we couldn't, but many of the restaurants, I mean, it's Hawaii. So many of the places are like, you know, there's like a roof, but it's all open on all the sides. So I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty almost outdoors. Mm -hmm. Or it's a place where like the, you know, big floor to ceiling windows. So we'd want to sit near a window um inside but like right by the window so this one restaurant we went to the rest that you know you couldn't get a res you couldn't get a reservation anywhere basically because it was like everywhere was at capacity um which is fun in a pandemic but <laughs> <laughs> but uh you could sit in the the bar lounge area so I had called from our room. It was a, in the hotel. I had called from our room and they put our name on the list and I had said, um, you know, if possible, could we sit by a window and we get there and um, they have our table, but it's like sort of in, in the, the middle of the restaurant. And so we had the debate that we have, have everywhere of like, can I get over my anxiety or am I going to ruin everyone's experience? And I don't just mean me, my husband and Elliot, uh, Owen and my mother-in-law was with us. We're still in the room. So I don't just mean the, the three of our experience. I mean, the entire restaurant. <laughs> Am I going to ruin everyone in Hawaii's vacation with my anxiety? Um, or can I get over it and like, can we have a nice meal? And it's just a, I'm exaggerating. It's really just a me thing. Um, so we decided we would sit there, but um, the, I'm trying to make this fast. Uh, I'm not doing a good job. But anyway, <laughs> the, Soaking it up. Uh, the host. So I had said to the hostess, like, you know, is, is there any way we could, um, there were like a couple ta there were a couple tables by the window, but they each seated five people. Mm -hmm. Um so is there any way we could possibly sit by a window? I imagine these are probably reserved. And she had said that if this party doesn't show up in the next 10 minutes, you can sit here. So I was like, I think we're gonna be able to sit there. I think we're gonna be able to sit there. Um and then all of a sudden there were three they I guess they did show up, but there were three people sitting there. And I was like, 
I spent a good 25 minutes just ruminating on how did these three people get that table (laughs) when I had requested? And I mean, I was like obsessed with how did they get that? I mean, I was like, and then I was like, well, I guess this is good that I'm this far into the vacation mentality that I'm not thinking about my podcast or anything related to my <laughs> life at home. I'm just completely obsessed with this insane restaurant situation. And I, I even said to Daniel, I was like, what's the respectful way to ask her how this situation happened? <laughs> and he was like, just say, like, I'm just wondering for next time, did they call ahead and request? And anyway, I like about a minute and a half later, I was like, I'm going to let this one go. And I was totally able to get past it. And I think it's because Daniel like went, stepped into the insanity with me and was like, you know, really thought it out with me. And for some reason, then I was just like, I don't need to know the answer to this. I'm going to let it go. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like you're lift rating all over again. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Do you know what your lift rating is? I don't want to know. I simply don't want to know. Mine is like, what was it, like a 4.8? Uh, it was like just under 5. It was 4.8. Like, it wasn't That's bad. great. I know. That's excellent. That was my first reaction. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Someone didn't give me a five. <laughs> Why? Do uh, have you spent much time uh, lifting in New York? No, I haven't been to uh, New York in a while. I will say, uh, I think uh, Uber and Lyft drivers in New York are harsher critic rating critics than in LA. But what could I possibly have done wrong? It's me. I'm lovely. I try to. Ma- I try <laughs> to do everything right. You're also leaving out the best part of all this. Oh, she I- actually <laughs> contacted Lyft to try and oh, find out. Allison. <laughs> Allison, you between the Hawaii story and now this, this is a full White Lotus character. I know! This is a pineapple sweet situation. <laughs> I related. I hated that I related to that aspect of that character. I was like, have you seen White Lotus, Tony? I haven't. Oh, it's so well, good. Well, you have now. You just <laughs> you, have work, it. you work for me. Oh, my God. Uh, did you enjoy it? I loved it. I loved it, it so, so, so much. Um, yeah, I, I loved it so much. But yeah, when I was watching that, I was I was just because it's not framed in like a good way that <laughs> this, this guy, this like pretty loathsome character uh, just becomes obsessed. Uh, like he kind of ruins and you know this part of his honeymoon because he's just obsessed with why did they not get the suite they booked and they got a really nice suite but it's not the one they booked and i'm just like that's me that would so do that anyway yeah i'm fun i'm fun <laughs> yeah i was i called lift what did they tell you they cannot reveal anything uh. um so i was like what <laughs> i'm like is there any way you could just tell me like is it like one person who gave me a bad rating or is it like a few people who gave me a low rating or could you just tell me like what date it was? Because, you know, there was, this is <laughs> like, cause you know, there were a couple times that I like bought lift rides for other people. So I was like, you know, if I knew the date, <laughs> no, and he just, he or she, I can't remember. They just kept repeating, like, we're not at liberty to give that information out, ma'am. I'm sorry. We're not at liberty to give that information out. <laughs> oh, I would love to have been that Lyft representative. To just be looking at the computer. <laughs> to just be like, I know. I could give. Oh, I, I know. I can't tell you. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at it right now, and I'd love to tell you, but I can't. <laughs> and I she's like. simply can't. I know. And it, by the way, like, 
I'm sure she's like, if I could give you a rating, lady, like you're not pleading your case very well. I'm surprised you have a 4.8. It's funny. When I hear it said back to me and then I hear myself tell the story, even I can't believe I did that. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> you got to defend yourself. I bet you're a. I bet you're a perfect lift uh, writer. I really tried. I can't to imagine be. you're a troublesome lift writer. I really tried to be. Wait, are you being insincere? <laughs> no, I'm being completely <laughs> sincere. I mean, now, but now I'm thinking about it. The Hawaii story. I'm like, uh, uh, no, I bet you're a great, uh, considerate. I tried clean. to be. Like, what? What could you have done? The only thing I can think of. <laughs> Do you backseat drive? No. Uh, well, I mean, there was one time a long time ago where someone was driving me to the airport and the guy was texting the whole time and it made me nervous, but I didn't even say anything about it. Right. But I mean, maybe he could tell I was nervous, <laughs> but I don't think it's that. No, there was one time that we did take a lift to the airport and we had to, did we have to put in a car seat? And that might've taken a little bit of extra time, but I think we, we tipped well. So I don't think it was that guy. Right. I don't know. I really, I really think it's... um. Sexism is and anti-Semitism. It probably is. That probably no, yeah. maybe it was a disgruntled anti um, Adam anti a disgruntled Adam Carolla fan. That's probably what it was. <laughs> it was Adam know. himself. Adam, he's driving Lyft now. Did you know? <laughs> I don't know. Listen, this was delightful. Oh, Thank you such a fun so time. much. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, plug all your stuff. <laughs> uh, you can listen to my podcast called I Said No Gifts. If this, uh, if this episode of Allison's lovely podcast, me being a guest here hasn't annoyed you too much, I do a weekly show. It's an, around an hour long. You can hear me chat with people. And then, uh, you know, find me on Instagram. Uh, so I, I, or don't stay off the internet. That's, uh, I'm trying to just, everybody, do something else. But listen to my podcast, yeah. sure. But before you do something else, make sure you're subscribed <laughs> to our podcast. Of course. Yes. Re- review, review Allison's podcast. Please. Leave a nice... Helps. Yes. Do five stars. Don't do five. four stars. Do, do four. a five. If you do four, you know I'm going to call you. That's so rude. <laughs> That's really rude. Four is a good review, but why not just go the extra... Thank you. This exactly. podcast deserves five stars. Five. And uh, a nice comment. I read them on the show sometimes. Subscribe. Listen to my other shows, Childish and Upworthy weekly and i'm on patreon patreon.com slash allison rosen patreon uh, bonus stuff there's a level where i'll text you and you can text me and i'll text you back that's how it works and um if you sign up for a year you get two months free so it's 12 months for the price of 10 that's a good deal that's right patreon.com slash allison rosen and I feel as if I'm forgetting things. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Tony, what about you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. And Bizarre Albums every Tuesday. And if you live in the LA area, I'll be playing with Don't Stop or We'll Die and Townland on February 3rd. Or February? <laughs> May 3rd at the Federal. I think that's the F. I was uh, mixing those up. The Federal in North Hollywood. So come out to that. I'll be playing with both bands. And if you listen to this on the week it comes out, the group show this week, we're doing something wild and crazy. (laughs) That's right. I've handed over the booking reins to Tony. 
You might have seen our social media promo. It's Tony's picks. I mean, it, it broke the internet. It broke they? the internet. That's <laughs> People right. People couldn't believe it. They can't even handle it. Tony, I've said, Tony, you book the show. Oh, am I taking crazy pills? What's going on? <laughs> Anything could happen. You guys, Bridger, thank you so much. This was so thank much fun. You. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? Time